This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Dupoff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair's senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. So, a very exciting episode today, the first one of 2018. Uh, we have a lot to discuss because we have about two weeks worth of Harry, Megan, slash celebrity news to get into. Uh, so we're going to talk about all the sort of Megan antics, their holiday festivities, the scandals, the photo ops. There's kind of an intriguing little tidbit about their New Year's Eve vacation in France, which we're excited to explore in depth. But first, we're going to talk about two of our favorite divas. I think that's safe to say, right, Josh? Nicole Kidman and Mariah Carey, and specifically how they rang in the new year. But before we get into them, uh, another reason this episode is exciting is because Julie's cover story is online now on newsstands by the time you're listening to this. She profiled Emily Blunt, the delightful star of... Devil Wears Prada, soon to be Mary Poppins, Sicario. She was just a, an absolute delight. I met her in Brooklyn. Um, I immediately met Josh afterwards for drinks to decompress. <laughs> to... Equally as exciting, I'm sure, hanging with Emily Blunt in Brooklyn than meeting up with me. Um, right. <laughs> but then you guys, you went on like a you went on a walk, right through. We Brooklyn, had or? we had lunch at like the most hipster chic place in Brooklyn. It was like this cute Cobble Hill restaurant. They had like books on a table for you to read. I guess if you were lunching alone. Um, she lives in the neighborhood with John Krasinski. That seems like a great locale for her. You know, like she seems very whimsical and smart. And I don't know, that seems like a perfect. Right. So we did that. And then we walked along the promenade and it was freezing. It was like below freezing temperatures. But I really, you know, manned up <laughs> and we took a little walk. But she was delightful. I talked to her. I talked to John Krasinski because they're co-starring in a new movie called A Quiet Place out in April. Um, I talked to Judy Dench. I love that. My, my favorite part of the piece is the Judy Dench. Can you like, the tidbit about Judy is so good. Any opportunity to talk to Judy Dench is a perk, but uh, Emily's first stage show when she was 18 was acting opposite Judy um, in the West End. And Judy was kind of a mentor figure and she told me some great stories from both sides. They kind of kind of reminisced about their time together and Emily just had the best time and was so heartbroken when it ended that she like made everybody rap gifts and I don't know it's a cute story anyway read it if you like no pressure oh no the, the, this is I needed to get the quote correct but this is what I loved and Judy was bringing up when they worked together and her his her grandson was six and he like fell for Emily which I just thought was funny 
And so she said, now, whenever we see Emily, he's 20 now. He jokes, she'd never have gotten where she was if I hadn't kissed her. Which, like, is just funny to me. I like Judy. I love Judy. I love Emily. They're great. It was a positive experience from start to finish. Shout out to Louisa Strauss, my my editor on it. So. Also, you talked to Frances McDormand. Oh, no. She, oh, no, she, she quoted the friend. Sel- Wait, what was the thing about the selfie? Didn't she give her advice on taking selfies or something? Yes, because Frances, uh, I just, I fucking love Frances McDormand, but so does Emily Blunt. And uh, whenever someone asks Frances for a selfie, she says, uh, I've actually retired from selfies, but I'd like to shake her hand. So Emily has adopted the same strategy whenever she's approached with her two young children. And because she's married to John Krasinski, who plays Jim on The Office, I guess people approach them nonstop because he's like famous for essentially being this affable, approachable guy. You and me also have that philosophy. <laughs> I know. Selfies. When we, we get asked, we're like, we we've retired. We, we, don't do we it. need to start using the Frances McDormand strategy. Let's let's do yeah. it. Let's let's invoke a little bit of her. And last thing, did you find out any details about I feel like Emily and John are very private about their kind of like family life, but they have two daughters, right? They have two daughters, and um, I guess the one daughter is obsessed with Julie Andrews's Mary Poppins, so Emily's a little nervous to actually show the daughter, Hazel, her version, because, you know, this girl, she watches it nonstop every day, memorizes all the songs, so she feels like her Mary isn't going to quite live up. Oh, that's how I feel like that would be my worry if I was playing Mary Poppins in a hypothetical world. I feel like that's such an iconic character to try to play. That's tough. I mean, she's obviously going to do it amazingly, but I feel right. like that, that is big shoes to fill. At one point in the interview, I asked if she and the Devil Wars Prada crew have um, any sort of reunions because I just want to believe yeah. that they're all on a text chain together constantly. She said no formal reunions. She, her brother-in-law is Stanley Tucci, actually, like funny, funnily enough. Oh, right, because he's married to her sister, right? Right. They met at Emily and John's wedding in Italy. I feel what? Like it was after uh, Emily was in Devil Wears Prada. And I guess her sister met Stanley that evening. They bonded over their love of food and dancing. And Emily said they have this amazing picture of them dancing together on this boat in Lake Como. So, How has there not been like a full documentary about the Stanley Tucci, Emily Blunt sister romance? Right? I know. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those under the radar kind of trivia notes that you can't really believe. But she, she was funny. She said he wormed his way into our family. And she talks to Meryl and is kind of friends with Meryl's daughters. But she said no formal reunions. And what about her and Anne Hathaway? Also friends with her too. It is interesting in the new Mary Poppins movie because this is going to be the third movie that Emily stars in with Meryl. They share like a musical uh, song number. So that'll be exciting. I can't wait to see it. I kind of forgot Meryl was in it. Get ready. She plays her cousin, Topsy. This is going to be, I can't wait for this movie. It'll be good. It'll be good. Well, everyone needs to check it out immediately. Uh, It's online. We'll, you know, we'll share it, etc. But yeah, on newsstands now, Emily Blunt by Julie Miller. Um, right. So from one, you know, amazing, incredible, dramatic actress to another, let's talk about Nicole Kidman. Josh, were you surprised to see her uh, out and about on New Year's Eve? 
Yes, I wasn't watching live when she and Keith appeared, but I was kind of shocked and intrigued that they called in to Anderson and Andy's New Year's Eve telecast. Right, because Nicole and Keith were in Nashville. Keith was performing there. I have no idea how they were kind of like hoodwinked into calling in for this joint interview because it was so awkward and uncomfortable. I watched the clip on Twitter on somewhere and I was like, it was hard to get through because it was uncomfortable to watch. I don't know if you had the same reaction for like a lot of different reasons. Right. They were talking to Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper on CNN. And it was weird energies because Keith and Nicole were in front of this live crowd kind of going wild. Nicole and Keith, I think it was like 16 degrees in Nashville, a point that they brought up about eight times in the two minute interview. They asked Keith and Nicole what they got each other for Christmas. I was really delighted that they asked that. That's a good question, yeah. Right. Keith's response, I gave Nick a backpack, some amazing jewelry, and um, things we can't talk about, which horrified Nicole, this answer. She was like, no, 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 we can talk about them. Josh, what do you think? I didn't think I'd live to see the day where Nicole was gifted a backpack. That just seems the most unlikely present. It better be the chicest, most understatedly cool backpack on earth, or otherwise I do not understand this. Right. Not like a Jansport or like an L.L. Bean backpack monograms. I'm most imagining like a small little handbag, but it has kind of like a thing you hold it over your back. Right. I feel like there are some uh, fashion backpacks. Yeah, this better be an extreme fashion backpack. But also I was just very thrown off by Keith Urban's sort of x-rated verging comments throughout the interview this was not the only Only one one, i know and i was to me that was one of the biggest more than the we'll get to it soon nicole sort of little confrontational back and forth with andy cohen but i feel like there that i was almost more thrown by keith's whole vibe and nicole clearly was not feeling it Also, do know that their two daughters were there. I assume that they were somewhere nearby overhearing this this interview. I don't know what was going on. If it was the New Year's spirit, Keith has some resolution to be freer with his, I don't know, public persona. But then also I'm obsessed with what Nicole got Keith. That's like so practical. A bike that folds up. What does it even mean? It's pretty cool. He really wanted it. This is not the glamorous gift exchange I was imagining for the urban household. (laughs) Did she have to go to some outlet mall to find this bike? Like, how did she procure the bike that folds up? I don't know. Also, I'm imagining, like, I mean, what does it even look like? It folds up into what? Can she put it in her backpack after it folds up? Like, what is going on with that? I don't know. And do you think the girls have to wait before going down to the Christmas tree for Keith to, like, straight iron his hair flat iron i am so obsessed with his hair someone needs to do a full investigative report on how it is that stick wait, straight wait, didn't we get didn't we say this on a different episode and someone sent us a really interesting photo of him when he was 12 and his hair was that stick straight but it's just there's something unnatural to me i'm just obviously in awe of it because i can't stop talking about it no, it's true. I'm surprised she didn't. I guess she doesn't get him hair products because he probably does that on his own. Right. Like she she knows not to venture into that for gift giving. Do you think she and Reese um, exchange gifts? Maybe. Maybe they send each other texts just saying Happy New Year. 
I can't really imagine what you would get Reese or Nicole. I mean, I don't know what you get Nicole either other than, I guess, a backpack. I bet Reese sent out, like, Draper James gift bags or, like, gift baskets full of swag. Yeah. I could see Nicole doing, I could see Nicole, well, maybe this bike goes against this theory, but I could see her being the type of person who gives very, um, like, engraved picture frames with some kind of relevant quote. Right, that's, like, delivered by some sort of magical bird. <laughs> Just drops yeah, it on the on doorstep. Yeah, like, magic carpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, or maybe something, maybe a picture from Set from Big Little Lies. Is that too cheesy? I feel like she would do something less kind of, I don't know, sentimental. right. I can see Reese having sent out this, like, amazing, like, hand-packaged gift and not getting anything from Nicole in return. (laughs) And Nicole just being, Nicole sending her thanks, like, as a text. (laughs) Right. Not even the Um, full thanks, just THX. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I, I mean, even the idea of her texting is weird to me. Like, anything, I think that's the other thing that was jarring about this interview. Just her talking about mundane matters is so surreal to Well, me. I loved when Anderson asked her if she had any New Year's resolutions, and she was so visibly uncomfortable, which I took to mean, like, why would she need to resolve to do anything differently? I feel like she does everything perfectly. But she wanted to, she was like, well, I think through my New Year's resolutions, and then she changed the subject back to the temperature. She's like, what is the temperature here? It must be minus something. I mean, I just feel like this is not... Her doing small talk with Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper, I don't know what Keith like explained to get her to do this, but I feel like you could just sense she was like, get me out of this interview. She hates these small talky kind of... You know, like the pitter-patter of these kind of interviews. She's talking about, like, how cold it is. And then Keith jumps back in with another risque comment. Josh, I'll let you read this one. Oh, God. (laughs) Thanks, Julie. Uh, Keith goes, all I can say is there was only one ball dropping tonight. I have have no comment about this. We are as aghast as Nicole was. (laughs) Is it that we don't know enough about Keith? Is this always kind of his blue humor? Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like we would know if that was his kind of go-to sense of humor. Maybe to mentally prepare for like his performances, he takes on this alter ego persona that's just kind of (laughs) a little more And then Nicole immediately jumps in. I'm taking over this interview now. I've got to say, playing the guitar in sub-zero conditions is hard, so give him props. Right. I feel like Nicole didn't know what to do and started doing these wild sort of um, non sequiturs. And then for some reason, Andy Cohen asked her about the seal clap she Uh, did at at the Emmys. Also, what and like what about how the interview had gone so far made him believe that was going to be a great question to try to get into asking her about her clap. Right. Like I was kind of making the like cut it off, end it here signal at my YouTube screen. Uh, but I guess at the Emmys, she kind of clapped, if you don't remember, with her palms, without her fingers, because she was wearing this big jewelry, and it became a meme. And neither Keith nor Nicole were having it. Keith said, like, well, baby girl, I'll let you answer this. But then he kind of jumped in, defending her, saying, you know, she was wearing it was just a practical way to clap, given the insane jewels she had on her fi- fingers. And I did appreciate that he kind of tried to step in to deflect the question. Right. And Nicole said something like, I would just hope we had more important things to discuss. I love that she brought it to that, which is such a classic actor line. 
like why are we even talking about this and it immediately i feel like makes the interviewer in this case andy kind of like where do you go from there you know she threw so much shade a point andy even conceded after like they ended the interview but i don't know i feel like nicole's new year's resolution is to never again do a live interview well andy was making it into a whole you know oh he'll never have nicole on watch what happens live i actually thought he made it into more of a thing than it was i mean i'm obviously always team nicole in all matters but why like she didn't you know it wasn't that crazy she just like didn't want to have to get into the question you know right i don't know what she thought they were going to talk about she did. She was relieved when they finally brought up Big Little Lies. She said they're starting to film in March. Great. We're going. We're, we're going to take a set visit. <laughs> right. I'm just. I'm just putting. I'm just saying that as if it's a fact, so that it happens. Invitation or not, we are going. Nicole, we will not ask you about clapping. We promise. None of those questions. Nicole later posted a boomerang onto her Facebook page of her. What? And I didn't know Nicole. that. Yes, her and her daughters kind of dancing off stage while Keith was performing. Josh, do you think Nicole knows what a boomerang is? I mean, someone must have filmed slash. I mean, she's on an Instagram, right? Right. I mean, I I feel like she has absolutely no idea. She probably calls it a moving image or something. Or, you know, it probably has some kind of bizarre euphemistic term for it. But I, I love that. I love that. I like that she's trying new things in 2018. Right. I'm thinking back to when she was promoting Big Little Lies. I remember how every interview she gave, she would talk about the magic of television as if she had never known before how it could reach people in all of their living rooms. She definitely doesn't know what a boomerang is. Yeah, I don't think so. Who thought Nicole was going to be such a big part of our New Year's Eve experience? I'm really happy she was, even if she wasn't happy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now moving on to Mariah Carey, who got a chance for redemption at Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve after last year's lip sync snafu, I guess I'd call it. I don't know why I'm talking in, like, radio lingo. <laughs> I love it. I love lip sync snafu. Lip sync snake. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't even pull that off. And you pulled it off so skillfully. Such as shows. Yeah, twister. you're the real newscaster around here. Josh, did you watch this at all, or were, did you just like? I saw last year's. Obviously, I have not seen this year, but because I read that it was good and fine, so I wasn't that interested. Which I think just goes to show when these people have these kind of snafus, it's that draws all this attention. I did hear about the whole tea situation, though. Right. Well, I love that this was a news story even 24 hours like before the performance because people were, <laughs> were reporting that the sound check went successfully. There were no issues. I think TMZ had that, that breaking report. I know. People were acting like it was a military operation where she was getting brought in for... She was, I, I think I read something on TMZ about how like her flight plan for get, getting into New York. I was like, wow, this is the most detailed... It's like, I feel like I was basically like on the plane with her. 
But she, wait, did you watch? Did she seem, she did a good job? She did a, a good job. I love her as a performer because I feel like she expends the least number of calories of any performer because she barely moves. <laughs> if anything, oh, she's funny. like carried by her backup dancers. She's perfected the arts of even when she's not feeling great about her body, she just wears her solution, her slimming solution, is to wear this monstrous fur like slung over her shoulders, which totally throws off the dimension. I'm going to try that look whenever I'm not feeling myself. Um, Speaking of shade, the Los Angeles Times reported after this uh, that Mariah Carey sang perfectly acceptable renditions of two of her best-known power ballads while wearing a sparkly low-cut gown that defied the brutally cold temperatures in New York's Times Square on Sunday night. Josh, perfectly acceptable. I love when a gown defies also. But yeah, perfectly acceptable sounds to me the, the whoever was writing that was trying as hard as possible to keep it polite because you know they wanted to use completely different adjectives right this is probably the editor's solution after was it conscious she didn't make any reference to last year she didn't make any reference to last year it seemed like she was very much trying to stay on script which ironically made it like a less interesting segment the only fun moment came when i guess between the songs she kind of turned to take a sip a sip of a beverage, and Josh, do you want to? I want to hear your line reading of Mariah Carey's diva moment. Wait, she actually said all of this on stage. This is wild. Yes, I just uh, imagine this in the full Mariah whispery, you know. And I'll do the stage directions. <laughs> I just want to take a sip of tea if they'll let me. Okay, Josh turns to his side to see the tea that was supposed to be on a stool sitting beside him. <laughs> They told me there would be tea. Oh, it's a disaster. Okay, well, we'll just have to rough it. I'm just going to be like everyone else with no hot tea. That's a great line. I'm just going to be like everyone else with no hot tea. That poor Wait, oh my God, and Julie made such a good point here, that which I had totally forgotten, and that she ended her kind of disastrous performance last year by saying it just don't get any better. Literally everything went wrong last year, except the tea. She probably had tea last year. And she was right. It just don't get any better because this year's wasn't as exciting. It's true. But I love, I'm just going to be like everyone else with no hot tea. But then she did get tea and Instagrammed it, right? Yes, she later Instagrammed it. I feel like Mariah Carey's New Year's Eve performance is kind of the groundhog fill <laughs> pop culture pro- prognosticator of how the rest of the year is going to be celebrity-wise. So I don't know what this means. <laughs> and maybe, oh, interesting. I like that. So maybe this year is going to be calmer and relatively right. serene. With a few <laughs> subtle fireworks. <laughs> but with no hot tea. Right. Um, I'm, I'm really into that, sort of the, the, tea, the tea leaves. Isn't that a thing? Reading the tea leaves? Yes, the tea leaves. That's good. I feel like there's an easy transition here, right? From someone who did have hot tea, Meghan Markle over Christmas. Right. This all has just been our cursory preamble to what we've really been wanting to discuss. Well, it was hard even looking through. There's like such a the Megan news cycle now is such that even just kind of trying to figure out what to talk about about her in the past two weeks. There was so much to turn away. 
Um, but we're going to kind of quickly breathe through um, the major Megan news to catch up on. So it was kind of a roller coaster. Yeah, I was, I mean, I feel like we have to kind of set the scene with that. This was a rough few weeks for her, I think on the whole, like when I was looking through the timeline, first of all, we, I think we didn't touch on this fully because of the timing with our last episode, but when she went to that Queen's lunch, there was this whole scandal because Princess Michael of Kent wore a racist brooch to the lunch. She had multiple jewelry boxes full of brooches, and she was like, you know what, this is the one. This is the one. So for those who didn't catch up on that story, this was the first time most uh, think she was meeting Megan. So it seemed somewhat pointed to pick that particular item to wear. And... Uh, the palace actually had to release an apology uh, uh, you know, from her. She was, said she was sorry and that she was distressed by the whole kind of scenario. But they live in Kent. Princess Michael of Kent lives like a few stores down from Harry and Meghan. So, so this isn't some far-flung relative. No, no. She lives in the Kensington Palace. So like that was a sort of, you know, intense thing. Then... Her rescue dog guy broke both of his legs, which like is bonkers and horrifying and sad. He's being treated by a renowned veterinary surgeon and Harry has accompanied her on the visits to see Guy. The palace would not comment, (laughs) which I just think is also kind of interesting as if like someone they're being asked about her dog breaking his legs. Like uh, what is the palace going to possibly say about that? Well, they did comment on the dogs before, saying that one of the dogs would move in, right? Oh, good point. So I guess they've set the precedent for commenting on the dogs. And you know what they call this, Josh? This is Bogart's curse. <laughs> Wait, did you make that up or is that a thing? No, I made that up. Oh. You're, I mean, <laughs> that's like whatever's going on here is that's a whole other thing. Then... We're going to get into the Christmas thing now, too, but I feel like the main... How does a dog break both of his legs, though? (laughs) Sorry, I am so frantic and eager on this topic of conversation. Well, the the dog thing is confusing because... So Bogart wasn't allowed to come, and I read a kind of a conspiracy theory internet comment about... Which like made note, I forget what their actual theory was about what's going on. I think they were just trying to say something seemed a little fishy because different reasons had been given, I guess, about why Bogart wasn't making the trip. Like at first it was that he was too old. One was that he was sick. I don't think anything shady is afoot, but who knows? Then now poor guy has broken both of his legs. There's like all sorts of things that are going on that aren't great. What's your, do you have a theory? I mean, I don't know if there is a theory to be had. I think it's Bogart's curse. I think Bogart, I don't know. They need to rectify the solution somehow. They need to see some sort of like psychic clairvoyant who can clear this curse. I'm worried about Guy. Is he going to be on one of those like wheelie carts? Yeah. I don't know. And then there's this whole Christmas scenario. So... She arrives with Kate, William, Harry for her first Sandringham Christmas. There are photos of the four of them. We've been waiting a long time to see Kate and Megan in the same frame. I guess I don't even I hardly even need to say it, but the the kind of biggest takeaway I think was Megan's hat, <laughs> which was 
very brown. <laughs> it was very brown. Her whole look was brown. It was an oddly unfestive color palette. Everything was brown. The little handbag was brown. Yeah, why was she wearing so much brown? Did, was that a signal? What was there? I'm surprised no one's broken down the kind of like meaning of the color scheme she was going for. My theory is that she knew her place and she was not going to even try to upstage Kate or the Queen that day. Kate had a great plaid coat, very festive, very season appropriate. Yes, agreed. And I think maybe this was she was going for a more. I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. Like an understated look that wasn't going to, um, you know, rock the boat too much. Though, ironically, this hat sort of did stand out to me as sort of wild. I think because, and you know what it is? I think there's also this sense to me of that she's sort of, it's such a different style from what she was wearing before. And this and this and this kind of hat is so Kate and so Royals to me that it's almost like oh okay so now we're doing this thing. How many months ago was she at the Invictus Games wearing ripped jeans? And now she's wearing the full you know Kate style coat, Kate style hat. That's why I was curious if Kate's like been giving her advice on what to be wearing. Do you think? Do you think this was all her own doing? I don't know. Right. I just. Do you think Megan like texted her a photo of her in the outfit beforehand? Like, is this okay? And Kate. <laughs> well, Kate's probably too nice to say. That reminds me of when people ask me stuff like that. I'm like, I'm not, I, I never feel like, unless it's so atrocious that I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the world, I feel like I can never just say, you know, no, I would maybe switch that out. Like, I feel like you have to kind of say, and Kate's so nice. She probably knew Megan was nervous. Maybe Kate lent Megan the hat. Right. I like that. I don't see Kate wearing a hat this um, encompassing. <laughs> like, it really was overwhelming her whole head, the hat. It looked like it was eating her head. It looked like almost, I, I don't understand. I need a breakdown on fascinator etiquette because I thought fascinators were more of like a wedding celebratory type thing. Right. I know. That's what's also confusing here. We need a, a fascinator explainer on here. Mm hmm. But maybe she was also just so down about Guy. She had an alternate, like, red ensemble that she decided to table until he's in better health. And then as if this wasn't all stressful enough, Harry then gives an interview about her two days later on the BBC. And this is what he had to say about Meghan spending the holidays together. It was fantastic. She really enjoyed it. The family loved having her there. I think we've got one of the biggest families that I know of, and every family is complex as well. She's done an absolutely amazing job. She's getting in there, and it's the family that I suppose she never had. Now, I immediately, before any of the kind of controversy which ensued, was like, that is a wild comment. Because you just do not say that. <laughs> Unless someone so clearly has, like, I don't know, a family situation where it's that saying that is very normal. But that, when, when both of her parents are in the picture, she sees them. I don't really know what to make of that. I think it was maybe one of those things where, like, maybe he just didn't realize he didn't mean it in that way. And, like, he got sort of misinterpreted. 
The royal family is so guarded and very careful with what they say. I feel like maybe it was something Meghan said to the royal family over the holidays, like maybe after one too many champagnes. And Harry. Yeah, like, oh, you guys are like the family I've never had when she was holding George in one hand and, you know, like petting Kate's hair with the other. But, but I guess I just don't, I don't know. I was just surprised. The royals are usually so careful about this kind of thing. It seems very, very misguided. And you know, like, what did Meghan think? Was there a fight after this? Well, so then Samantha Markle, this half-sister, who I think we've talked about before, Megan and Samantha. I keep calling her Sam Markle. I don't know why. <laughs> Sammy Markle. <laughs> My brother's name was going to be Samantha if he was a girl. Um, so I think I have this like weird thing about the name Samantha. Um, Sam, Sammy Markle. I took it to mean like you're very close with her. <laughs> Sa- Sammy Sam. Uh, she immediately tweeted, actually, she has a large family who are always there with her and for her. Our household was very normal, and when Dad and Doria divorced, we all made it so that it was like she had two houses. No one was estranged. She was just too busy. Read my book, complete with facts and photos. Which is like a kind of an iconic ending. Read my book, complete with facts and photos. So that's the thing. You can't really like, I don't know. What do you, can we take her seriously? Because I feel like she's promoting her book as she's defending Megan, you know? Well, right, exactly. This is like the Christmas gift that Samantha Markle had been dreaming of, a chance to plug her book. (laughs) And there were like eight other tweets. I only took in the one. And then the dad is apparently also upset. The Daily Mail had some exclusive. Understandably, understandably. I agree with you. I think Meghan must have said something that would have Harry say this. Right, because it's it's not just the kind of thing that you volunteer without the other person having said it, especially someone as careful with his phrasing and everything as Harry. As the royal family. Also, this complex remark yeah, is a little that strange, is in every right? Family. I feel like he was getting at... It, it just it's a weird phrasing of the whole thing like what was his point she's done an amazing absolutely amazing job she's getting in there also what does that mean and it's a family that i suppose she never had i don't know it's it's a it's a tough one but i i feel like this almost necessitates megan she needs to come out and clarify don't this you is think? where she needs to get back on that Instagram. She needs to do a TBT from back in the day with, you know, her whole family. Megan, you could have clarified this immediately on Instagram. She could have posted a nice little slideshow of highlights from the year with her family. Ugh. I mean, or it could be that, like, yeah, she does feel like this is the family she's thrilled to have right now. But then it's also weird and it's like making it. But also, I don't know if this is the kind of stuff her half sister is doing. And, you know, maybe she does sort of feel like she doesn't need the the friend who posted all that information about them and those old photos. It sounds like she had some characters around that weren't necessarily looking out for her best interests. Right. I I just hope that whatever this next interview is, I, we need like Andy Cohen on the case who's going to ask what they exchanged, uh, what they got each other for Christmas. I very much am looking forward to those details. I definitely want that too. I know. That's the next thing. I wish someone had asked him that, Harry, when he did his interview. And then on top of all this, wait, Julie, can you set the scene of this whole economy thing? As as if it can't get any worse for Megan. 
She's finally engaged to Prince Harry, and they leave town after the holidays, and they fly coach. Uh, This was all over the Daily Mail, which, of course, had all the details. They went to the French Riviera. So I guess London to Nice, that isn't that long of a flight. No, but I I love the breath. I'm like, it's breathtaking detail from the Daily Mail about their flight. Right, right. They could have easily, I would think, chartered some sort of plane, even a car. I'm so confused. I know. In in an attempt to remain incognito, the pair boarded their 9.55 a.m. flight before any other passengers and headed straight to the back of the plane next to the rear toilets. Okay, Josh, if you were like 12C boarding this plane and you saw these weirdly blocked out rows with just a few bodyguards, I feel like you would know. But also you would have known before then, like your nose would have been tingling. You would have had some sort of sign. I would have turned like a different color or something. I feel like it would be like glowing green or something. Um, They also... It's so weird to me that they took up three rows of economy seats. Right. They also took up three rows of economy seats either side of the aisle, even though there were only the two of them and three, quote unquote, edgy and nervous bodyguards in their party. Harry, 33, apparently slumped down next to the window, dressed in jeans, a jacket, and with a baseball cap pulled over his face. Bride-to-be Miss Markle was sitting next to him in a black beanie hat and minimal makeup. Ouch. (laughs) According to one fellow traveler, the aircraft actually took off several minutes early, much to the surprise of other passengers, and shaved 20 minutes off its two-hour flight time. The detail is breathtaking. Most exhaustive report of 2018. I know. And if anyone hadn't spotted the group by that point, they couldn't mistake the two heavily armed officers from the French border police waiting for the party as they disembarked, ready to whisk them out through the VIP area. Josh. I just, there's too much. But my my first thought was, we know she loves beanies. So that made me feel like there was some veracity in this because... I mean, I always, this is crazy. Who is seeing this much? Was this like a flight attendant who immediately called up the Daily Mail? Like, I just don't. I I get in theory why they thought maybe sitting at the very back would uh, be more discreet. So that everyone getting on wasn't passing them? Is that the idea? Right. But right, right, every right, time okay. someone goes to the restroom, can you imagine you go back there to the restroom and you look to your right and there's Harry and Megan? I did not think about that. That's a good call. Or do you think they, unless they blocked off that bathroom? No. Know, was there like another bathroom? Even the royals could <laughs> so, not. <laughs> I don't think. Well, because that, that does explain, that does explain to me the baseball cap pulled over the face and like the beanie hat. So they were still trying to be incognito so that maybe when people, but how can you be incognito when they have the three rows around you bought out? Right. Also, why were the bodyguards edgy and nervous? I'd be edgy and nervous. Like I'm edgy and nervous flying coach. (laughs) So I get it. (laughs) 
Uh, I know. And like, why couldn't they charter a jet? Why was Harry slumped down? That's the other thing I thought was right. weird. Like, the, 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 were they feuding about his comments? Like, I don't know. That's what I mean. I, I feel like I feel like this whole Daily Mail report was written with the undercurrent of like something's amiss. You know what I it's mean? Just, and it also seems logistically just too difficult. I don't know. To fly coach. Right. And I think they could save, I get the wanting to be of the people and that kind of thing, but clearly they're not of the people. Um, and if, I guess, chartering like a really fancy jet maybe isn't going to, you know, come off well for the image they're going for with like, we got married over, or, you know, we got engaged over chicken dinner. But I think that this just feels, I don't know. Right? Like, it just seems like it's more trouble than it's worth. I think if they really want to be of the people, they need to do coach all the way. They don't get three buffer rows. They have to sit, like, middle seat. They have to actually make conversation with the mutants back there in row 36. They have to watch some, like, bad rom-com on the little movie screen. Right. They have to board with everybody else. I mean, this was also confusing to me because if the idea is you're going for the image, then they... The Daily Mail just came out with another thing that said they flew back on a helicopter from Monaco. So they clearly, and the source on the French Riviera told the Mail Online, they arrived on December 31st and they apparently hung out with Prince Albert and his wife in the Millionaire's Playground in the south of France and then took the helicopter back. So the coach down, helicopter back, I'm just confused. Do you think do you think Megan or Harry was just like we're not doing that again? Yes. Good call. <laughs> They're like we're getting the helicopter. Like get the get that to our pad. Uh, so Julie, what do you think the new year is going to bring? All this this seems like a lot of drama for Megan. A really stressful few weeks. Do we think things are going to get calmer, or is it only going to get more dramatic? I think it's just going to get more dramatic between the wedding planning. She's going to have to make some sort of comment to dissipate this tension with the family. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that's just mm-hmm. going to escalate. What do you think, Megan? We need we need to know what's going on. Like, call us up. We will not ask you any. You know. We want to ask you about Nicole Kidman hand clapping style questions. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I can already tell every little thing is getting blown up. So I feel like it's going to be a stressful few months for them. And wait, didn't didn't I see a headline of what their next joint appearance is going to be? Yes, that is coming up next week, I think. That's going to be good. I'm curious if she's going to have the same sort of look as she did at the first appearance me too i feel like she might go in a completely different direction that's my prediction yeah january 9th a week from today mark your calendars Um, oh my gosh i feel like we need to delay recording until that happens i know until after that appearance because there's going to be so much to discuss all right well let us know what you think about all the megan drama nicole what else do you want to know about Mariah, yeah, Samantha Markle, reach out to us. So I guess feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight to further discuss anything. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. I'm at Jay Duboff. We also have an Instagram in the Limelight Pod. Let us know what you think on Apple Podcasts. You can find us there as well. Uh, this episode was edited and produced by Danielle Roth. Thanks to Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Until then. No bad uh, energy.